This is uh, Crying in the Trash Can, and today we have our special guest, uh, Ginny. Ginny is a friend of mine from high school, one of the smartest people that I know, and she also thinks that the economy is going to collapse at any second. Ginny, to start off, why don't you start explaining, like, uh, so what do you think, why do you think the economy is about to collapse? Yeah, of course, that was a great question, and thank you guys so much for having me. This is so much fun. I'm so proud of you. This is this is fantastic. <laughs> okay, so I think about, I don't think, given all of the traditional predictors are sounding off right now of a impending housing and economic collapse, I think we're going to see the mother of all busts in probably the next, the coming month or so at the most. I guess we can start just diving in a little bit into the timeline of the different indicators that are predicting this. So okay. moving back in time a little bit to February, so just about a month or so ago, Janet Yellen, um, who's now head of, she's in charge of the Department of Treasury now, she was over for many years at the IMF. She printed $1.1 trillion. And I'm talking about all of this. Oh, and she got a lot of flack because she went out there and said that they're printing one, what did she say, $1,100 billion instead of saying a trillion. She got a, she got a lot of heat for that one, which is pretty funny. So yeah. I feel this is background information because it leads us to what's been going on this past week, which has been very extreme. M1 and M2 on FRED, which is the Federal Reserve yeah. um, economic base, has now been discontinued. Now, they're still publishing weekly monthly but they're not doing the weekly reports anymore and when you look at the graphs and I, I guess you can insert them here you see the lines going vertical which okay. is pretty extreme and also the fact that they're now hiding this information is putting a lot of people on edge especially given since in 2007 they stopped publishing m3 so this is very reminiscent of past behavior from the federal reserve now is there any way that you can um go ahead and sort of explain to us what um the like m1 m2 and m3 are just for people who don't know yeah of course so me m1 is all money in circulation and m2 is all money in circulation including cds what's in your um, savings account so it's okay. liquidatable cash in the economy and oh is that not a very good screenshot of it one. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to really quickly for you. Um, okay, go back over to M2. M2 yeah. is, M1 is really disappointing because it's vertical, but M2, as you can see, has been a huge, huge increase. And like, that vertical jump right there at the end is really what I'm pointing at. This is super important. <laughs> yeah. M2, just to keep it nice and simple for everyone, M2 is the predictor of inflation. When M2 rises, you're going to see inflation. So let's take that and segue into a little bit of background on what is inflation. Right. Inflation is, I guess the easy way to think about it is our grandparents' generation could afford, you know, on one salary, on like usually typically the husband's salary, a family of three, four people, and they were able to have all their basic necessities. As a lot of millennials like us, our, our Gen Zers are experiencing, we can afford anything. Right. <laughs> a lot of people are barely making ends meet. And it's there's a lot of factors at play. Of course, there's huge debt, but also there's inflation. Inflation is when you start printing a currency. We, live, we're, we work off of fiat currency. So it's 
basically just backs off of the faith in the U.S. government, its ability to pay it back. And you can think of inflation as a tax. And they always talk about it as being wanting, wanting it to ideally be around 2%. Jerome Powell, everyone always talks about this, like magic 2% number. And why you can think of it as a tax is as they print more money, it's easier for them to pay back government debts if money is worth less and they can just print more. This has a negative effect on our standard of living because, of course, then you can afford less and less and less. The fact that they're now hiding M1 and M2 is hugely indicative of the fact that we're about to experience huge jumps in inflation, and that would be a, I mean, it would be catastrophic for right. everyday Americans. I want to pause there. Is there any questions before I keep going? Yeah. So, um, okay. So, a couple of things I did want to ask you. So, you had mentioned that money is like fiat currency. So. Um, I know that we were taken off the gold standard. Now, if money doesn't, if money is not actually backed by anything, I know you said that it was mostly in fa uh, based on faith in the government. But if money is not actually backed on by anything, does printing it out even really mean anything? I mean, China sort of manipulates its currency. China does manipulate their currency completely using a fixed peg method. Okay. And I think we're about to experience the limit to that. Um, okay. And in basic economic 101 theory, there you can't just print to infinity. I think over the last 10 years, we've seen people print a lot of money, and it's been okay, as you can see in a lot of the graphs. But now we're seeing a dramatic rise in M1 and M2 because of a lot of it's a response to coronavirus, and, or I don't know if I can say that on here, response to the current situation that's going on. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of predictions in March last year that we were going to see a recession and that led to the Federal Reserve going in and overcooking the economy, printing too much, giving out lots of stimuluses to banks, not so much American people, but definitely the banks. And um, in doing so, I I believe that they over, they overdid it. I think they overcooked the economy. And we are seeing a, a cow-shaped rebound where people who are very wealthy are basically coming out of this pandemic A-OK, -okay, but a lot of Americans in the bottom 20% in particular were hugely adversely negatively affected by the okay. economic output. The other question I wanted to ask, so there was a lot of panic um, with regards to inflation when they started giving out uh, the stimulus checks to the American people. Um, does that have as big of an effect as on M1 as well, or is it mostly just the money that they've been giving to the banks? No, it's so little in comparison. It's mostly just to the banks. And a lot of okay. that's that sneakiness that you're seeing. So the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics on Friday was supposed to release their PPI index report, which is Producer Price Index, which is a basket of goods and services of like standardized to track what people are paying for, like milk and eggs, or I guess that's not a really good because those are fixed prices, but different goods that are consistent throughout people's spent throughout different generations and showing the, the discrepancy in that price. The right. website glitched on Friday, delaying the response for them. And when it came out, it was double what they expected. It was a 1% increase, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but annualized, that's only in a one month period. Over an annual period, that would be 12% annually, right? Yeah, that's insane inflation. It's insane it's... 12% inflation is what they're thinking, right? Yeah. 
so again, that's another example of them hiding these numbers. So um, to have a screenshot on that, that US inflation data. They didn't want to say it's the US Bureau of Labor Statistics. Okay. Now, okay, so and that um, that's a real big problem because as you had mentioned, like inflation really is supposed to be only at two percent. Um now now you and I had talked about um very briefly like hyperinflation. So um at what point does it reach hyperinflation? Is that when like around when it hits the twelve percent, or is that like would it hit an even higher number? Yeah. Uh, so to explain that a little bit, the Federal Reserve has three main tools. They can this is like a little basic economics one of So uh, it came to the reserve requirement. That means they can tell private banks, the Federal Reserve, can tell other banks that you have your money saved at, how much money they can keep on, that they, that they have, they're mandatorily required to keep in their vaults at all times. Right. They can change the discount rate or the discount window. So that's when they give loans to other banks, they have a, a lower price. Right. The other thing is open market operations. And this comes into play. So because they overcooked, and I believe that they overcooked the economy as a huge overcorrection to March of 2020, the Federal Reserve basically has two options now. Because as everyone knows, interest rates are an all-time low. Everyone is trying to buy a house, get a loan right now, because interest rates are super low. So right. they can either raise interest rates rates, which will tank the economy. The economy is right now basically growing and because of tech stocks. Right. Getting a little technical here. So <laughs> I definitely no, need okay. to kind of tease this out. Um, and the other thing that they can do is continue to print money and flood the economy with more fiat currency. But that would lead to what you're saying, Aiden, which is you risk the possibility of hyperinflation. Okay. So because they historically interest rates are around 12 to 14%, and when you drop them down to where they are 1%, 2%, and even places like Japan and Europe, you're seeing negative interest rates for they, the bank has to pay you to take a loan, right? It's totally crazy. That yeah. removes one of the Federal Reserve's tools for adjusting. The idea of the Federal Reserve is that when the economy starts to slow down, there's ways they can stimulate it. They can decrease the interest rate, which in turn leads people to start buying and building houses and when people build houses and they go to home depot and they spend a bunch of money and they go to they go to crate and barrel and they get decorations and that drives right. the economy back up but, but isn't that up, sorry to pause you but isn't that how um subprime mortgage loans uh started coming into play because they wanted more lower income people to be able to buy purchase uh homes for that very yeah. reason path the path to hell paid with good intentions Okay, anything, fair. There's an, there's an ex yeah, yet to an extent. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And we've been going off the past nine and a half, almost 10 years with each very dropping interest rates lower and lower and lower and lower. And eventually, when you come to a crisis, they won't have any way to correct and fix it. We'll just have to, it, it, or, or it will, the economy will do what it it will correct itself and go back to that 12% interest rate, which would be really devastating to anyone who has an adjustable mortgage right now. Okay, which basically means that their mortgage rates will balloon out to a 12% interest because it goes based on what the banks are doing, correct? Yeah, and I would predict based off the 1.2 million Americans who for the past year have deferred paying their mortgage payments, that 
even a 1% increase in interest rates would have a devastating effect. We would feel it throughout the entire economy. Right. And I just wanted to plug Jimmy Dore's show because he's one of the only people who have been talking about this because um, he had pointed out that they did this in 2008 as well, uh, where they basically uh, were allowed people to defer their mortgage payments and then people defaulted on their mortgages because it all came out at once. And then banks were able to go out and buy up those homes. Exactly. My guess is they're going to do a, a mix of both of them, but we're already seeing they're going to do a, a mix of continuing to print, risking hyperinflation, and they're going to continue, uh, and then they will raise interest rates. And Jerome Powell in that video, I have linked for you at minute, let's see what minute was it? It was like 3351. Um, it's an interview, it's a long interview. Yeah. Uh, and Jerome Powell, who's in charge of the Federal Reserve right now, and he goes out there and he says, in this period, we are expecting to see a significant, and he cuts himself off, temporary hike in interest rates. So you don't even have to take it from me. Jerome Powell himself is saying this. Now, in this whole video, he like kind of downplays it as they're expecting to see temporary spikes in hyperinflation and in um, so the prices of goods will go up really high. That has never happened before in the history of economics. So it will be really interesting to see if his prediction is correct or if hyperinflation will stick true to what it is and you'll see just like right. a massive spike. Okay, so, and Willa, our wonderful producer, will you go ahead and put up uh, that clip that Ginny was talking about? We'll show, we'll show temporarily higher prices, but not persistent inflation. What would you do? You would raise it? Yeah, that's not go. good. Yeah, he. I mean, midway through Signip, that's Signip. not... Yeah. And then you keep playing, so he can't say the word that he's going to raise interest rates. And so the next question she asks, like, she's like, are you going to raise interest rates? And he's like, that is one of our tools that we will employ if we need to. So that's a yes. <laughs> that's a yes. So I say all this, I, I don't mean to be a doomsayer, but this, all of the, all of the indicators of an economic collapse and a housing market collapse are on red alert and no one is talking about it. No, you had mentioned that tech stocks are tech stocks are kind of propping up the economy right now. Though, um, is that not sustainable? I mean, it, like we're watching um, Google integrate itself more and more into the government and things like that. So, I mean, surely like those the, their stock prices are only going to continue increasing. And then you look at things like Tesla. I hate to say it because I'm a consultant, but it 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 yes and no. It depends. Uh, it is not sustainable right now, but it will over the long term be sustainable. Okay. Because technology drives innovation, and so it will like having investments in different stocks like Tesla is good for your portfolio. Of course, I would just be aware that I think you're going to see a dip, and a lot of people like to buy at the dips, right? Buy low, sell right. high, not a problem. But tech stocks are completely correlated one to one with interest rates. Interest rates go down, tech stocks go up because when they have to pay back dividends, they don't pay back as much, and they just love it. So they don't have as much money on hand. Gotcha. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then um, I wanted to ask too, so with the coming economic collapse, I mean, um, I know Daniel and I don't own anything. Daniel owns this truck, but like, that's not going to be, so an economic collapse, how much is that really going to affect people like me and Daniel? Like Daniel's a college student and I'm like a stupid cook. So like. Yeah, actually, I don't think it will as much because I think you're in that, that nexus where you've weathered so much it's almost like this is a weird example but when you think of kids in 
third world countries, right? There's no autoimmune disease, right? Right. And there is higher child mortality, but once you make it out of childhood, your chances of dying of some random disease are pretty slim. It's, you know, the okay. survive. So really the people who are going to be at risk is anyone who's making the same mistakes that they played in 08, which is having that adjustable interest rate on your mortgage. And they do that because people don't have to put as much down. Um, I definitely want to talk about the housing bubble too, but the last thing, the last graph I want to show, and this is the most damning evidence of a economic collapse is margin debt. Margin debt is when, that's from FINRA. That's just another talking about the PPI increasing 1.7%. Yes. Again, um, and I think that Reuters article talked about how it's really producers who are taking the burden of increased prices, but we all know whenever manufacturers see increased rates, they're just going to pass that back on to you on the consumer. Right. So margin debt, which is that finograph, um, is in the stock market when you you basically borrow, buy a stock, you borrow it on margin. Anyway, it's kind of a, an interesting graphic because it is the predictor of an economic collapse. And if you zoom in, whenever the so blue is GDP, or at the blue is S&P 500 and red is margin debt. And whenever margin debt hits a peak, you see a collapse and it's peaking and no one's talking about it. It's like one of those. Okay. It's like, it's like one of those things that like, you know, like the best predictor of like the presidential election is like the October face mask, like for Halloween. Right. It's like always accurately predicted who's going to be the president. FINRA in margin debt is one of the most accurate predictors of an economic collapse. And if you zoom in, you can see we just peaked. Another thing on that, it's, do you see in 2008, it was around, I can't see the left, but it doubled. Our margin, the amount of people borrowing debt to buy stocks, basically, is double what it was in 08. So it really will end up being the mother of all the bust, I believe. Right. Well, fuck. <laughs> to answer one of your questions earlier about, like, does the stimulus check um, leave a place? No, but I do think the Biden's proposed point four, two to $4 trillion uh, infrastructure package, that would, again, increase inflation and lead us down the road of hyperinflation, which is why I believe it's going to be a mix. I think they're going to raise interest rates about 1% 3%, and I believe we're going to experience some hyperinflation. Jerome Powell thinks we're just going to experience temporary spikes in hyperinflation like some weeks your gas will be like ten dollars and some days it won't i don't think that will happen because i think when that once people see a huge rise in prices there's going to be a run on the bank right which uh just to throw out there is what uh george w bush was trying to avoid with the first bailout in 2007 i believe it was when the economy started to collapse uh while he was still president yeah um, which is what made that first uh, bailout so important, but the other two were not as helpful, and that's why you didn't see as big of a cushion when the collapse happened. Because interest rates are so low now, there's no, they can't go any lower, right? Right. We've, taken, we've handicapped the Federal Reserve, and maybe this is a good thing. And that's a different argument, whether or not to have the Federal Reserve. <laughs> yeah, and well, and I, I think that they were, weren't they doing, they dropped that interest rate just in case the economy collapsed during the whole, uh, like when everyone was in quarantine and stuff, right? Exactly. Now they can't go lower. Right. They, so they, so one of those three tools I talked about is now removed. And this further aggravates the fact that when you, when the federal reserve goes this low and overcorrects and overcooks the economy, it debilitates them from doing their actual job, which is 
in the case of an actual recession, which we didn't see in March 2020, but we will potentially, I believe we will see in May 2021, I don't believe they'll be able to properly address it the way that they are chartered to be able to. Right. And I did want to touch on, because under the, um, so in around, right before the 2012 elections, I think it was in 2010 when the Tea Party movement started to sort of come about, um, they had mentioned, specifically Ron Paul had talked about going back on the gold standard. Now, do you think that that is still, like, do you think that that could be a viable solution in order to uh, provide more accountability to the Fed? Or, like, what do you think? Or, like, just more backing behind our currency to make it less of a nightmare? I think what they're going to do Jerome Powell's already talking about a digital currency that happened today. I think they're going to move to a digital currency system. I hope it's Dogecoin. <laughs> Which will be a perfect transition into episode two. Go! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week when we bring Jenny back to terrify us about cryptocurrencies. <laughs> and tell you to invest in pirate coin. <laughs> right. <laughs> and actually investments, I did want to talk about that too, because like... um. So assuming that there is an opportunity to buy the dip, like what would you suggest for people our age or for people who have like lower incomes to potentially start investing in? Because with apps by the dip, so um, are there specific types of stocks and stuff that you would suggest? Absolutely. I really like um, these like smaller index funds. You can find them where they have like five or six different companies in them. I don't, really recommend the um and this is coming from my father's a financial planner so i hear a lot my husband's working in financial planning now so i, I hear about finance stuff all day long i'm not right. a financial planner so this is not financial advice yeah but, I'm but gonna give you, what I <laughs> you seem like you are fairly more knowledgeable I, than i am yeah. or not to keep bagging on daniel but i think this is the education to you for that yeah. kind of stuff like they did during the GME thing. Um, and I don't want to be sued by the SEC, so it's just not financial. Yeah, none of us are experts. We're all <laughs> morons. We're all drinking alcohol. This is just like, this is a podcast about me asking my other friends what I should be doing in a panic. It does not in any capacity. We are not fiduciaries. <laughs> like, Yeah, so the big public service announcements. If you have a mortgage, make sure it's a fixed rate. Um, if buy the dips buy the dips are great and the best way to do investments is to a little bit more aggressively is just to buy the top 10 stocks on the s p 500 list or you can buy little index funds like etfs or electronically traded funds um, which have maybe tesla and google and robo and like a couple other companies in that mix to kind of you get all the growth but it's not as volatile as buying a single stock because I know that can be scary to a lot of people. I don't really recommend buying the whole S&P 500 index fund. People talk about that at work for me all the time. They're like, you should just buy that. You don't have to. It's so relaxed. You don't ever have to look at it. The thing is, it's like taking a net and going through the entire Gulf Coast of Texas. Like you're getting dolphins, you're getting red snapper, you're getting turtles and clams. I mean, you just pull everything. And yeah. what I mean by that is you're pulling the top 10 companies, you know, you have a little bit of that, but you also have the lowest performing companies. You have 500 companies in that mix that are dragging your growth down. So try to, and people are like, well, I don't, what if those companies change the top 10 companies? Then you can just sell those stocks. And right. a little bit more um, like active, proactive in your investment portfolio, but not that much. The top 10 companies really don't change. They change about every five to seven years. So it's, you don't have to be too concerned. Right. 
Just as a side note for our listeners out there, like if you're on the younger side of millennials, it is a good time to start investing. It's a good time to start investing in your retirement. Like you really do want to start thinking about these things now. But again, I'm a moron cook. So financial advice is not guaranteed or solid. Sorry. Make sure your Roth. Make sure whatever if your 401k or your Roth IRA or your IRA is put it in a Roth format. That means you pay taxes today, but you don't pay taxes later when you're at a higher tax bracket. So it's like paying taxes on the if you're if you're going to like the feed store and you're buying apple seeds, you're paying taxes on a lighter amount of goods, the apple seeds, instead of paying taxes later later on a really heavy juicy apple. Right. Which makes sense. And then, sorry, Daniel, I had you mute yourself. If you have any other questions, like, just tell me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, you're all good. I've just been listening. I know nothing about, like, the economy or anything like that. So I've just been, like, taking notes. Now I'm going to have to go look into the small index funds and <laughs> figure all that out. Uh, right. I'm definitely not looking forward to this collapse, but... uh. I'm glad to hear that it won't affect me because I have nothing except my truck, which is also on the verge of collapse any day. So, <laughs> my only concern with the, I, I believe it's going to be called the mother of all busts. I think this will be, I think this will trump 08. Okay. Trump the 30s. My concern is how much it takes down with it because we saw in 08 the housing bubble was able to collapse the whole global economy. And I, I believe that if we see even a 1% increase in interest rates, and in that video, you can see at like, the next clip, um, about, like minute 34, she asks Jerome Powell, are you going to raise interest rates? And he's like, you can't say the word, yes, I'm going to raise interest rates. He's like, yes, that's the tool we will use if inflation goes past 2%, which I would say it's past 2%. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if we see interest rates rise even 1% to 3%, the housing market will collapse it on itself. And a lot let's put the housing market, because that's been really interesting. I know we were talking before uh, about different homes in our areas going for millions of dollars with just right. really mind-boggling. A lot of what's going on behind that. I don't know if you're living in, in these big areas like Austin, Houston, or um, Nashville, where you're seeing people buy houses unseen 20 to 30 percent over asking price in cash that is wall street in 2017 they passed a couple of laws allowing wall street firms to get involved in buying housing i personally think this is illegal it should be illegal um but i, I won't get into politics here too much uh but they were allowed to start buying real estate you're seeing a lot of these really harsh renters who are like, if you're a day late, they kick you out. A lot of them are Walsh firms running it behind the scenes, buying cash and giving the return on the ROI, the return on investment to their their investors, right? And like Aiden alluded to, this is really sounding sounding similar, not quite exactly the same as the 08 subprime mortgage crisis, but it history doesn't always repeat itself, but it often rhymes. It's sounding very similar where you have these big banks coming in and driving up the prices of housing. And now we're seeing how prices are at nine to 10% inflated. So right. if you bought a house in the past year, it, it's, this could be a really huge problem if we see hyperinflation, people can't make their end meet. It's, it's gonna be well daniel knows someone who had an undeveloped piece of land continued to be undeveloped and just sold it for a lot more money than they bought it for 
um, for their mm-hmm. move to California. And Daniel, that it's out in the middle of nowhere, right? It's in like Kyle, Texas, which is bumfuck nowhere. Uh, no, it's not in Kyle, Texas. It's in uh, Blanco, Blanco, Texas, White, Texas, um, <laughs> and but- it's in. It's in like this little developed neighborhood, but the the crazy thing is, is like Aiden said, it's an undeveloped piece of land. They put it on the market on a Monday. On Saturday, they sold it for a seventy percent income, like immediately. And then I even have another example. Uh, the neighbors across from my dad's house, they put their house on the market on a Friday. On Saturday, they had 24 offers. On Sunday, they sold. Like, it's insane. Yeah. At all time low. And now, because Wall Street drove up the prices and interest rates are an all time low, a lot of mom and pops have FOMO and they want to buy now. They want to sell now, would be a good thing. (laughs) Can you explain FOMO real quick? Fear of missing out. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) Aiden's an old man. <laughs> yes. So, hey, you um, didn't know NIMBY the other day. Not in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> FOMO is fear of missing out. And when watching these past couple years have been driving up prices, a lot of just your average buyers have been going in and putting 5% down, which is very disappointing. They're not going to be a lot of money down. They're buying. And because interest rates are so low, whenever interest rates decrease, the prices of houses go up. Right. Because people can then buy more um, which is will end up being out of their budget as his, as time progresses uh, it's a really it's, it's playing the fire and i'm very concerned about all of it and we have a lot of these young people or mom and pops going and buying houses that are 10 20 30 percent overpriced at really low interest rates but they're fixed they're not fixed interest rates are adjustable it, It'll lead to another 2008 housing crisis, I believe. And I believe right. The indicators are like, it's not just me pulling this out of my ass. Like, this is, these are the indicators. Yeah. No, I mean, and it, it makes sense. Like, um, I mean, you could even look at just at rental prices and, uh, cause I'm in Portland, Maine. And I mean, the rental prices here for shithole apartments, I mean, are exorbitant i mean we're talking like eighteen hundred dollars for a one-bedroom apartment which in some big cities is not that much but we're talking about like a city the size of pearland texas with i mean you know a fuckload of homeless people and a lot of problems and yes it's really pretty but is it eighteen hundred dollars a month for a studio or a one-bedroom apartment pretty no nowhere is i mean it doesn't make any fucking sense that's why I believe, I think they're lying. And I think that's why they're hiding a lot of these indicators. I think that's why the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics isn't releasing their data. I think that's why they're discontinuing M1 and M2 on a weekly basis. Because I believe that inflation is not at 2%. And it hasn't been for a really long time. And that's how right. the U.S. now. And we're going to end up paying the price for it. I think inflation is way, way higher. And I think we'll find out in the coming years when they do an autopsy of what happened we'll see inflation was actually much higher than what they were saying it was. I wonder if this will increase the home. Oh, I'm sorry, Daniel, go. Well, I was going to say, like, do you have, like, if you were going to say inflation was somewhere, where would you put it? If it's higher than 2%. 
I don't know. I would have. I don't know. I should probably calculate. I would honestly peg it around maybe seven percent, because when you look back to even the '90s for our parents' generation, you're seeing prices. A income hasn't changed. I think that's a really good indicator of what's going on with inflation. Is that prices or wage prices have not increased at all and kept up, but goods and services are being. A lot of them are being artificially kept down by the government, but that's it's going to catch up really quickly. I mean, you can only subsidize for so long. That's the idea behind a subsidy. It's supposed to be temporary. You can't have a forever subsidy. Right. Okay. So, um, I just I know that this is sort of out of left field, but like, do you think that what do you what are your thoughts on like a UBI sort of situation? Like, um, do you think that that would cause even more inflation, or do you think that that could actually sort of assuage some of the issues that are going on right now? I think this would be the catalyst for um, implementing the UBI. Okay. And do you see first... Would be on the UBI. You do think it would be? I think people... I think they want people to be on the UBI, yeah. Oh, I apologize. I thought you said it would be wonderful. Okay. I was like, well, this is a departure from what we potentially had talked about in the past. So, because my next question was like, what are... Do you think that that's a good solution? I don't. And I disagree on this, but that's okay. I think a UBI is dangerous because effectively you are an employee of the government and as such they can ask you to do certain things and have meet certain requirements and I think that undermines liberty. Yeah, I could totally see it. My thoughts on that are like, well, theoretically the government is supposed to be us. We're supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, yeah. for the people. So in all theory, it should be a good thing, but I suppose as we've seen with like, you know, all kinds of fun government surveillance things and the uh aforementioned three letter dead at fucking whatever they're called yeah words and phrases thank you jameson for providing me with this intelligence but um the uh yeah i don't know i um i think like if things were working as they theoretically should a ubi is a good idea but um you know like most things and that nothing is working as it should as it should so it's probably just dog shit like everything else that the government does Honestly, I think the UBI rolling out Q3, Canada, Mexico, and Q4 later this year. That's going to be my well, hot, hot prediction. Andrew Yang's going to commit seppuku over it. <laughs> <laughs> so you fucking bastards could have just put me in as president, but instead you put in Joe Biden bot. <laughs> I don't mean like one of those like, run it, like, re remind me bot, so you know later in the summer q3 or yeah <laughs> my predictions so predictions the next month or so mother of all bus so prediction ubi canada and mexico q3 and then us q4 yep. yeah q3 or q4 yep that's my prediction okay and andrew yang will be busy as mayor of new york city so he won't have time for committing seppuku <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. The last thing that New York City needs is another inexperienced moron running the place. I mean, who's the fucking mayor right now? Bloomberg? Never meatball. Not Bloomberg. Who's that other clown? Um, Cuomo. Fuck. Cuo no, Cuomo's the governor. That, <laughs> that fucking moron. No, he's the guy who was, like, he was on stage, him and his wife, during the protest, singing, like, power to the people. Who was that? Was it Bloomberg? It's Bloomberg, yeah. Who was the guy who ran? Okay, fair enough. Either way, sorry. And then who was the guy who ran for who put in the billion dollars? 
or whatever trying to run for president for the Democrats. Oh no, it's not Bloomberg, is it? It's no, it's Blasio, that other gun. Yes, because he had that video with like Blasio. the dancers. Yeah. yeah. But the wife I... is a lesbian and yes. <laughs> God, like, she's... with you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean anyone with a fucking what's his name why are you with him like he's such a de blasio he's such a moron it's like gavin newsom like these effete wine merchant fucking morons i don't know nancy pelosi relatives yeah did you see nancy pelosi's husband's are buying a bunch of stock and microsoft before all these announcements in debt trading I just don't, okay, so like, like at the beginning of the year when the quarantine first started and all those senators made a fuckload of money before they even implemented anything off of stocks, like how is that legal at all? Because they were buying and selling Kelly medical Laffer. stocks. Loafer, Laffer, whatever her name is. Her husband is the chair of the New York Stock Exchange, which should on its own be illegal. Yeah, how... Yeah, you should not be allowed to work in government if that's the case. I think you probably have like... I don't know. What is the word? There might be a conflict of interest. That's Maybe. The word. Maybe. Just a slight. <laughs> They're only supposed to regulate those people. It doesn't make any difference. It's not insider trading if you tell your husband and then he does it. Yeah, this is like when uh, fucking Colbert started his super PAC and then got to sign it over to Jon Stewart, who technically had no connection to Stephen Colbert, even though they're friends and have shows that Col that Jon Stewart produces. Like, no connection at all. <laughs> yeah, they're not... I will never run Aiden's super PAC. I will never, ever, ever... Yeah, when I run for president. Uh, me and Caitlyn Jenner are running together. Exactly. I'm running as the ca transgender Candace Owens. <laughs> I, I thought we were starting a super PAC against Caitlyn Jenner. I thought that's what we were doing, not with her. It depends on how her election as governor goes. But yes, I am... Correct. My first, my first mission, if Caitlyn Jenner announces her run for governor, is we will all be moving to California, Ginny included. She's not into this, but it's not a choice. And we're um, all moving to California so we can start LGBT people and allies against Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, wait, I was going to say, Daniel, you know who's moving to California? I feel like no, everyone is fleeing California. I'm like, last one out, turn the lights off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which will make the housing prices cheaper when we go there, specifically and solely for the purpose of stopping Caitlyn Jenner from being in public office. <laughs> Alright, so when the entire economy collapses next month, <laughs> we're moving to California. <laughs> Correct. <That's> <laughs> The gold match, the next gold match. Yeah. Yes. Dogecoin. Pirate chain. Yeah. Pick your favorite cryptocurrency at this point. I love that people are fleeing regular currencies so much that they're like, fuck it, I'm making my own. <laughs> I think it's very apropos to our whole conversation. I think you see a lot of people not having their faith at all in right. our fiat currency. You're even seeing this now with major companies. You'll see a lot of them saying like we should have 10 percent of our uh, cash flow in crypto which is crazy yeah that is crazy will that drive bitcoin up over a million bitcoin's gonna hit 400,000. how much do you regret those lattes when you think about how much bitcoin is folks if you don't know Ginny in high school set up a bunch of her dad's computers to mine for bitcoin and then spent it all on whipped cream and <laughs> nice caramel macchiatos they were not worth it. 
<laughs> no, she could be a millionaire, and she her she's gonna be supporting me in a couple of years. So, <laughs> second prediction: Bitcoin's gonna hit four hundred thousand dollars, and then it will crash, and everyone will move over to Monero and Pirate Chain. One can only hope. <laughs> That's like ten years out, Willa. So. Right. We'll, have, we'll have the bot remind me. Ten years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You'll get that reminder as you're wandering the wasteland. Like <laughs> <laughs> fighting off zombies. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get like a buzz on a dying phone that's like, you are right. <laughs> Bitcoin's worth nothing now. <laughs> And then the phone explodes in your hand. <laughs> Actually, like, shutting through the wilderness. Right. There will be no wilderness. It'll only be desert. Your dream to live in Reno will be achieved because the entire country will be a desert. <laughs> It'll be very bad facts. Right. I, for one, look forward to it. And I'm planning out my asymmetrical haircut as we speak. At the end of this video game, I'm hitting it five stars. Five stars. <laughs> right? They need to make the simulation better, though. I'll totally buy into the whole Matrix theory, but make the simulation good. <laughs> I just, on the topic of the Matrix, totally different than, you know, economic collapse. But I hated in the Matrix when they were like, we made it perfect, and humans just didn't like that. Like, no, fuck that shit. Make this simulation perfect. I want to wake up in a mansion with and be able to do whatever the fuck I want. I would not not like that. Yeah, use me as a battery all you want, you bastards. <laughs> Make it comfortable. <laughs> oh my god. So... All right. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. So this is a side note, but do you think that something should be done to force Elon Musk to stop using Twitter since every time he tweets something, the st Tesla's stock prices either shoot through the fucking roof or they collapse? Like, what? what is... Is this the only person who actually should be regulated off of Twitter? Or, like... Daddy, Elon... I don't know. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Kink shamed immediately. <laughs> like, I made a little bit of money off of GME when he when he said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, fair. I can't. I can't be too bad. But yeah. Jenny, were you the mastermind behind GME? Were you I was secretly not the mastermind behind GME? <laughs> I cannot take credit for that one. That yeah. Was all our Lord and Savior, Roaring Kitty. So. <laughs> <laughs> Or you, I guess it's deep fucking value. This is really yeah. Good. Shout out to Reddit, by Shout the way. Who's not a cat. <laughs> oh my god. Let's see. Daniel, did you have any questions? Any thoughts? I've been sharing my thoughts as they come. As you know, like, <laughs> politics and economy, I get all my information from Aiden. Aiden tells me who to vote for. That's basically. This is I not did. a good system. Okay, well, I can't trust the news. Who am I supposed to trust? Aiden. Yes. It I works. am Larry King, damn it. Absolutely. Before, let's see. Yeah, I remember. 
I don't know what year this was, but you guys will know because you know a lot more about politics. But somebody was at, somebody asked me, like, who do you support, Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders? And I was like, give me a second. And I called Aiden, and I was <laughs> like, Aiden, who do we like? You specifically said, who are we voting for? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it was like, this is some form of voter fraud where I'm just like making the decisions for you and also for me. Like, Daniel, we're socialists, damn it. <laughs> yes, I know that now. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's not great, but it is what it is, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, mainstream, so he can convince other voters. Yeah, I'd be like... <laughs> In the immortal words, Tim Dillon, I don't need sources. <laughs> I don't need sources. That's what I feel hilarious. Yeah, that guy's fucking great. On this podcast, anybody who talks is basically the Pope. If it comes out of your mouth, <laughs> it is ordained by God. <laughs> Otherwise, you slide it down. I agree with that. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> so do you, Jenny, do you or do you not believe that we should guillotine billionaires? And feel free to not answer that question. <laughs> I, I defer my answer. <laughs> Word. <laughs> I'm just saying, if there was depopulation, I think it should start from the top down. Leadership. And then... Yeah. And then we'll let them know how, how it went. And this is a comedy podcast. We're joking. All jokes. All jokes. <laughs> Nothing but comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say, if they wanted to, like, free up some funds, killing off the rich, you don't need to print more money. <laughs> we can't money. say any of this. We're gonna get kicked off YouTube. We can't get kicked off YouTube episode one. It's a joke. I'm joking. I would never seriously murder a billionaire. <laughs> They're all too busy doing Franklin scandal things, so... I mean, you know what, if, if billionaires can yeah. murder people, let's bring murder to the working class. Let's make it accessible to everybody. Okay, but Houston is doing that well on its own. Have you guys watched been watching the Houston murder rates? Jesus Christ. It's like 90s New York City. Like, they found it in Hitchcock, Texas. They found, like, a random dead teenager in a park. It's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, there was someone who washed ashore over here in... Um... Over oh, near Galveston-ish. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know. Yeah, and then Houston, the Houston mayor had to, like, release a warning or some shit. Did you guys see this about, like, just assume everyone in their car has a gun because people are, like, blowing each other's heads off on the highway? <laughs> like, just... Okay, to be fair, though, if you live in Texas and you're not assuming everybody is armed, like... You're a little bit behind the times. I mean, fair. When my parents moved to Texas, or my, my mom's from Texas, when my dad's from New York, and my mom had to, like, he would, like, yell at people in the car, cutting him off, like, scream out, like, New York style, like, flicking them off, screaming at them. My mom's like, you're going to get yourself killed. Like, you're going <laughs> <laughs> I know, when I moved to the East Coast, I, like... I don't know why. I mean, I guess, like, that's why road rage is such a thing out here, because there's no sense of danger. No one's gonna, like, ram their giant monster truck up your fucking ass for screaming at them. But here, like, people fling themselves out of their vehicles to yell at you. I've seen people, like, 
pull their whole body out of the window to like look behind them and scream at somebody. <laughs> I felt fun with you, Aiden. You scream at people. I do scream at people. Uh, yes, especially Aiden those people does. in the parking lot. Yes, I really do. The other day, I screamed at a park. This couple in a parking lot because they were walking diagonally through the goddamn Walmart parking lot, which is absurd already. They're walking diagonally through the fucking Walmart parking lot, just strolling right along, having a fucking conversation as if they're not walking through a populated fucking parking lot. Through the, I mean, do that on the side. There's the fucking sides of the parking lot where there's no one parked. But no, they're going right through the populated, just diagonally across the fucking parking lot. So I literally, I rolled down my window and I was like, you fucking pieces of shit. What are you doing? Just fucking walk. And I just it absolutely went apeshit to the point where I was like, you turn around and look at me because they just kept walking to the abandoned Verizon or whatever. Who even knows if it's yeah, fucking abandoned. I know, I'm going to get attacked. But like... <laughs> But you're not in Texas, so you won't get shot. Right? Only Maine. Sorry, I gotta plug in my laptop. <laughs> the whole setup collapses. <laughs> That's life, isn't it? Alright guys, I, I probably have to go make dinner soon. Any last questions before the farewells? No, um, I think that was a good interview. Was there anything you wanted to say before we hop off? Or before you hop off? Just thank you, this is so much fun. Um, if we want to talk later about crypto, more yours. Yes, you definitely should be on the podcast more. Wait, one last thing, because we haven't done it. What are you drinking? I'm oh, yeah. drinking red box wine. It's a Chianti. Fair. Fair. Daniel, what about you? I am being really classy, and I'm drinking Fireball whiskey. I don't know if I can say Fireball, but... Cinnamon-flavored whiskey out of my teacher's gift mug that I got when I was a pre-K teacher. <laughs> I love it. It's really cute. Yeah. I'm drinking Jameson out of a 50-cent Walmart plastic tumbler. So, here we are. Was it, Hannibal, was it Hannibal Lecter who was like, Shanti tastes best with eating people? Like, what was that? What's the quote? I don't know. Oh, God. I don't even know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, you know, if we eat the rich, we'll get to test that out. Ginny, Ginny's one of the Epstein people uncovered. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> right? It's Ginny and Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> and Oprah. And Oprah, definitely Oprah. Together. And the Rothschilds. Right? Yeah, All yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All of the fun cancelable things. All right. Well, Jenny, it's been good to have you on. Thank you so much. Um, I'll let you know when this gets published. Yeah. Thank you, Willa. So much fun. Thank you. All right. We'll see you later. Cheers. Peace out. <laughs>